before we get into what I'm going to share this morning, let me um, just remind us that Christmas is very close. It's like it's really close. Um, and, and Christmas is a great time to invite friends, family, neighbors to come with you to some stuff around church. So the carol services are in three weeks' time on the 8th of December. There's two, one at 5 o'clock and one at 7.30, so that creates space. And then the following weekend on the 15th, we've got our all-age family Christmas services. Again, we, so we've multiplied that this year to create space. So there's one at 9.30 and then repeated again at 11.15. And what I want to encourage you to do, we'll have some invitation postcards next Sunday, but my encouragement to you is to be inviting people to come with you. And could you remember that the success is in inviting, not whether the person says yes or no. Because you can't do a lot about whether the person says yes or no, but what we can do something about is inviting. So you're a winner, a big winner in my book if you invite. So we'll have invitation postcards around next um, Sunday just to help us um, to do that. But could you be thinking and praying about who you could invite? Now, talking of invitations, Dave? Is Dave there? Dave's too busy in conversation. Steve, Rob, let him go, let him go. Dave, come and join us. So we're thinking about invitation. Dave, just tell us what happened in kids, what? Um, a few minutes ago? Yeah, yeah. So we, um, we just felt like a bit of a moment after worshipping kids and uh, just invited them to, if they wanted to give their lives to Jesus, talked about Jesus knocking at the door of their heart, but they've got the handle on the inside and he wants to come in and uh, said he wants to open their heart to Jesus and several of them put their hands up and, uh, and then a, and a bunch more as well. And uh, so, yeah, so we... We prayed a prayer, and uh, and then I said, right, keep your hand up if that's the first time that you've prayed a prayer like that. And, and so seven of them, there was, I mean, there's a bunch more that prayed it, but seven of them, it was their first time that they'd done that. And uh, so, just awesome. I'm, I'm buzzing, really buzzing. Um, so, should we, should we pray, Dave, we bless you and, and the team that are giving invitations to these young children to change the destiny for the rest of their life. And we bless what's going on. And Lord, we are so grateful when we hear the sounds of your kingdom advancing. And Lord, we come asking for more in Jesus' name. Amen. I, that is stunning. That's why I wanted you to hear that. Because this is, this is why we do church, isn't it? We do church because Jesus is worth following. And we want to help others to come into that kind of relationship with Jesus. And so you may be here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus. You are in a very good place this morning. Not that you haven't given your life to Jesus yet, but you are in a place where there is life and there is love and there is hope. And Jesus is reaching out to every one of us this morning, and we can reach back to him. And so as we go on this morning, that might just be the prayer of your heart. Jesus, I want to know your love personally for myself. And I, I'm expecting that if you pray that, you'll get the answer this morning, because his love is all around us. That was a diversion about what I was going to talk about this morning. So last Sunday morning, we continued our Family Matters series. We, we thought about singleness, what, it's, uh, what is a biblical view of living as a single person. And as part of our time, um, we had a kind of chat, an interview with Kim. Uh, my, I, I just thought it was stunning. I, I, thought, I thought what Kim shared was just so incredible. 
incredibly helpful and insightful to us. And so if, if you miss that, or you want to listen again, do yourself a favor. It's up on the website. It, it will be incredibly beneficial to you. This morning, we're going to think about marriage, what it means to be married, how we can build a strong marriage. Here is some quotes just to get us in the mood. Um, An American comedian called Rita Rudner said this, I love being married. It's so great to find that one special person you want to annoy for the rest of your life. Uh, She also said this, men who have a pierced ear are better prepared for marriage. They've experienced pain and bought jewelry. This is true. Albert Einstein, very smart physicist. Men marry women with the hope that they will never change. Women marry men with the hope that they will change. Invariably, they are both disappointed. And this is from a singer called Eddie Cantor. Marriage is an attempt to solve problems together which you didn't even know you had when you were on your own. That is so true. If anyone's married here, you think, yeah, I I just didn't know that about myself until I got married. You know, there are more positive views. Here's just a couple. Winston Churchill, great politician. My most brilliant achievement, and he had quite a few, my most brilliant achievement was my ability to persuade my wife to marry me. And then Minion McLaughlin, a journalist, She said, a successful marriage requires falling in love many times, always with the same person. There's some wisdom in that. There's some wisdom in that. We're going to look this morning at the longest sustained discussion about marriage that you'll find in the Bible. It is in Ephesians chapter 5. It's written by the Apostle Paul. If you want to dial that up on your phone or tablet or if you've got a paper Bible with you, Um, that's wonderful, you can follow along. So I'm going to share some thoughts from this text, um, and then I'm going to invite Pete and Amanda Iwania just to come and share some of their thoughts about marriage with us. So Ephesians chapter 5, I'm actually going to start reading from verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church his body of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, people have never hated their own bodies, but they feed and care for them, 
just as Christ does the church. We are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Deep breath. This is, this is, um, this is, this is God's work, okay? And this, this is what he wants to say to us so that life will go well for us. We're going to think about how we can build a strong marriage. For those of you that are married, I hope this is helpful. For those of you that aren't married, you will know some married people, and this can help us to support one another. Now, I would guess that many of you have been around various churches where you've probably heard a teaching that goes something like this. Husbands and wives, you're to love each other, but when push comes to shove, if agreement cannot be reached, then the husband has the casting vote. I'm seeing some nods already. And it doesn't matter whether the husband is more competent than his wife. It doesn't matter whether he's wiser or not. It doesn't matter whether he has more experience in that matter. Just because of gender, he's the boss. Have you heard that kind of thing? Some of you may believe it. Don't indicate. Millions of Christian women have been beaten over the head with Ephesians chapter 5. Millions. That ultimately, the guy, even a loving one, gets to call the shot. Millions of women have been beaten over the head with that. And I want to suggest this morning that there are, there are a couple of problems, at least a couple of problems with that view. I'm going to share a couple of problems that I have with that view. The first is this. The text that we have read does not go where we would expect it to go. And let me unpack that. In the ancient world that Paul lived in, many philosophers wrote about what they called a household code. It was very common in philosophical writings. And what the household code did, it spoke about the proper ordering of relationships. And what you need is a boss and a subordinate. Someone to rule and someone to submit. And what Paul does in Ephesians chapter 5 he uses this model of a household code to talk about marriage, to talk about parenting, and to talk about the world of work. But he messes with it. He messes with it. You see, not once does Paul say, husbands, rule over your wife. Govern them. Lead them. Husbands, act like a benevolent dictator doesn't talk about that. He doesn't say, be the spiritual leader in your home. How many of you have been told that? Again, don't indicate. How many of you have been told that? Push comes to shove, the guy's job. Be the spiritual leader in the home. Paul doesn't talk about that. What Paul talks about, when he talks about what it means to be the head and to submit, he never uses the word rule. What he does three times is he uses the word love. See that in verses 25, 28, and 33. And so Paul describes 
headship and submission in terms of a duty to love. And to love means to serve. And we'll unpack that a little bit more in a moment. So that's the first problem. The second problem is that verse 22 doesn't actually include the word submit. In the our original, our English versions that most of us will read are a little bit unfortunate in this regard. So I'm reading from the NIV version, which is the necessary in vineyard version. And verse 22, and in many other English translations, it renders it this way. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. The problem is, if you go and look at the literal original Greek, there is no verb in that sentence. The word submit is carried over from verse 21, so it's implied that it is not actually there. And so verse 21 and 22 originally would have read something like this. Submitting to one another in reverence for Christ, wives to your husbands as to the Lord. You see, my point is this, that verse 22 does not start a new thought in Paul's writing. And you have to actually go back in the text to find the verb and the origin of Paul's thinking. And that's why we started in verse 18, because that is the start of this section of teaching in, in, in Paul's letter. It actually starts in verse 18. And so your Bible has probably, like mine, got a section break between verses 20 and 21. That is, again, unfortunate. That's to help break up the text, but it's, it, it takes away from the flow. His thought begins in verse 18. That's the primary verb, if you will, where Paul writes to us, be filled with the Spirit. And the sense is, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. That is Paul's dominant thought. And then, we, and then he asks, well, how, how would you know that your life is being filled with the Holy Spirit? And Paul really helpfully gives us three markers of what it's like to have a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit. The first thing you'll find in verse 19. He says, you'll be speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. In other words, when your life is being filled with the Holy Spirit, you will love worship. You will love worship. So if you're somebody that kind of gets up and you kind of think, you know what, I, I'll, I'll skip the first half an hour of the service. I'll just talk, turn up for the talk because that's the main thing, obviously. Are we being filled with the Spirit? And Paul would say that, that our lives should be filled with a growing love for worship. The second marker is in the next verse. He says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. The second marker is that we're going to be a thankful person. You know, our lives will not be characterized by complaining and whinging, but they'll be characterized by thankfulness. That's a marker of a life that is being filled by the Holy Spirit. And the third thing, verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. A life that is being filled with the Holy Spirit will be marked by mutual submission, one to another. Now, that idea of mutual submission was unknown in the first century outside of Christianity. So it is utterly radical, utterly revolutionary what Paul is writing here. Because in the Greco-Roman world that Paul lived in, they understood one-sided submission. They understood the power of one person over another person. But what Paul is reminding us is that Jesus changes everything. 
And when we say yes to Jesus, he gives us his Holy Spirit and our lives start to change. And one of the ways that they start to change is that we would live in mutual submission one to another. Now, I've been married now for 25 and a half years, which is amazing. That's us on our, on our wedding day. And um, thank you. You, you. you are a kind bunch. And, you know, I know that the thought, gosh, you haven't changed. Just haven't changed. So I, I don't know where Bethany is. She's, she's probably sorting something. But anyway, she, she was around. But this, I hope, doesn't shock you. We don't always agree on everything. Is that, I, I hope that's just not a shock to you. And uh, I, I can only speak for myself in this, but I suspect we probably argue mo- more than most nice Christian couples. And that's because, and again, I can only speak for myself. I, I hold strong opinions. And I'm sure you never have conversations like this. And for those of you that are married, you never have this at home. But, but I... So, Becky, I need to be careful now. Um, so, moving on. <laughs> um, you, you, you might have a conversation, and you know that if you just say it again, a little bit slower, putting a little bit emphasis on some of the key words, the, the person just needs to get it, don't they? they? They just need to get where you're coming from, and... You know, we can persuade the other person if we just say it again. <laughs> it's just me. You're, again, you're, you're, you're being gracious. You're, you're such a kind bunch. What, what we have done is shared responsibility for every major decision in our life since we've got married. So all of the financial decisions, our giving to the church here, that's a joint decision that we take. Big purchases that we've made, where we're going to live, uh, changing career, changing job, how we're going to bring up our children, um, holidays, where we're going to go, what we're going to do. All of our money has always gone into a joint bank account. Uh, our, our approach is simply that we're in this together. We're in it together, and we will, uh, we've always tried to do our best to mutually submit to one another. So, why did God invent marriage? What, what's, the, what's the point? What's the purpose? Well, one way of thinking about it is that marriage is like going to the gym. It's about being trained. It's a training ground where God teaches us some things that we need to know and that we need to change, simply because... Jesus wants us to become more like him, and he uses marriage as one of the ways that that is possible. So I want to share three things that Jesus wants to teach us, or teach those of us that are married, out of what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5. The first is this. Marriage is designed to teach us to love. Designed to teach us to love. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Verse 33. 
Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. Most of us, I don't think, are that great at loving. We're not, we, we might think that we are, but deep down, most of us are actually quite selfish. And so we need to be trained and helped in what it looks like to love another person and to love all sorts of traits in another person. So, do you love depressed people? Do you love messy people? Do you love people that annoy you? Do you love people that put on weight? Do you love people who forget things? Because if you're married, you're going to encounter every one of those people in your marriage. In marriage, God wants to teach us to love in very concrete, specific ways. Not in a general way, rather the person who is right next to you. And what is love? Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The heart of love is self-sacrifice. And in marriage, self-sacrifice rarely looks like running into a burning building to rescue your spouse. Rarely looks like that. It most often shows up through the small incremental choices that we make day by day. So, for example, it shows up when we choose to do the dishes even though both husband and wife have got home tired from work. It's getting up in the middle of the night when the baby is crying rather than pretending to be asleep. It's rearranging our schedule so that we do the household chores and the other person can keep maybe a work appointment. And so we take the top. It's biting our tongue when the same thing annoys us again and again and again. Now, one of the aspects of self-sacrifice that I want to touch on is getting our priorities in the right order. And we've often said this. God first. Relationship with God first. Second is our family, those core friendships. And third, it's our work, our study, the things we do for the Lord, what we might call ministry. Do we get our priorities right? And it is easy to get confused. It is easy to confuse ministry, the things we do for God, and to put that before a relationship with God, or to put it ahead of our family. You see, sometimes people come and ask me to rearrange the day off that I have in the week that I spend with Bethan. They say, could you just rearrange that so you can make the meeting that I've organized? No. Because I want to live my life in in the right way, in a better way. Sometimes we can put work ahead of our family. And we can justify that by saying, well, I'm just earning a little bit more money and that will help my wife, that will help my kids. And so I'm just going to pursue this business venture. It means I'm going to be away from home maybe for prolonged periods of time and we can justify it for ourselves. Can I just share really honestly this morning? I personally struggle with the idea that a marriage can be really healthy if husband and wife are often living in different places. 
maybe in different nations. I, I personally am challenged by that. Now, I do understand that there are often a lot of reasons that it can be quite complex, but what I want to say pastorally, and as your pastor this morning, is that your spouse and children want you way more than they want a flourishing business venture. They want you. They want your presence. They want you to be around. And so could I encourage you this morning not to put work ahead of family. And that may mean that some business ventures and ideas have to die this morning. But would you put them to death for the sake of your family? Your kids and your spouse need you. They need you. Second thing, marriage is designed to make us more holy. Designed to make us more holy. Verse 26, Paul goes on, he talks about us, you know, that love that is self-sacrificial to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. You know, sometimes people get married thinking they're not going to have to change very much. And if that was you, you're in for a rude awakening. See, marriage forces us to face character issues. There's a book written by a guy called Gary Thomas called Sacred Marriage. And the subtitle reads like this. What if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? What if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? You see, if the purpose of marriage is always to be happy, we'd probably need a new marriage every two to three years. In marriage, God uses our spouse to operate on us, often without anesthesia. Some of you, you've been there. No anesthetic. Open heart surgery. So I want to just take a moment to speak to husbands in the room this morning. If you're a, if you're a husband here this morning, could you, if your wife is here, could you look at her? It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Just look at your wife. And if she's not here this morning, bring, bring her face to mind. What I want to ask you is this. Is she becoming more beautiful inside than when you first met her? Is she becoming more secure, more holy, more emotionally mature? And if the answer is yes, wonderful. But if the answer is no, I wonder what responsibility you and I might have and what we might do differently from today. And wives in the room, look at your husband. Again, it's okay. Trust me. And if they're not here this morning, bring your face to mind. And let me ask this. Is your husband more secure, living with greater integrity and more in love with Jesus because he is married to you? God uses marriage to transform us to become more like Christ. Thirdly, very quickly, marriage is designed to point to Jesus and his church. Designed to, you see that throughout 
the, the verses that we read from Paul's writing in Ephesians 5. He keeps drawing the analogies between husband and wife and Christ and the church. A Christian marriage is a faithful commitment that points us to the utter faithfulness of God. So we see a reflection in a good Christian marriage, but it points us to the faithfulness of God. And the love that we see in a Christian marriage points us to the greater, unfailing, unconditional love that Jesus has for every one of us. And that is, that is a beautiful thing, isn't it? For those of you that are married, part of your story is telling others that there is a God in heaven who is faithful and loving beyond our wildest dreams. And so for every one of us this morning, some of you, many of you here will know that already, that you have taken a decision to follow Christ and to place your trust in a God who is faithful and to place your trust in a God who is utterly loving. But others of you may not have taken that step yet. And today is a really good day to take that step, to reach out to Jesus who is always reaching out to you. And you might be thinking, Jesus, I don't know whether you're real. I don't know whether you exist. I don't know whether you love me, but I'm just going to take a chance. And I want to say to you, please be assured, my experience is, is that God is utterly faithful, that he is always present, that he is incredibly loving, even in my lowest moments in life. The one thing that I've always known is that God loves me beyond anything. And that has put something just unshakable in my life. And it doesn't mean I don't have wobbles, but I, I know that he loves me. I know that he loves me. And that means that everything ultimately is going to be okay. Everything ultimately is going to be okay. And so you can reach out for that yourself this morning. Pete and Amanda, would you come and join me? Could you welcome them raucously? So, Pete and Amanda, some of you will know these guys, others may not. You've been around Riverside for forever. <laughs> You've joined very young as well. Um, um, I've been, yeah, more than 27 years, and you 27 years. Wonderful. And Amanda is one of our trustees. You both, you know, passionately and faithfully have served the young people in our church, and that's one of the areas we're involved in right now, which, which is um, just lovely. So, how long have you guys been married? We've been married for 25 years. We've known each other for 27 years. And we first met each other at a Riverside Vineyard social, at a pub in um, Brent Brentford, yes. Brentford, yeah, Brentford. And, and you guys met across the dance floor? Yeah. Actually, it... Um, I think it was first love at first sight. Was I would it? say yes. I would say it was love at first sight. <laughs> Did your heart just melt? Did it just? I, w- I wouldn't say my heart melted, but there was there was something about my beautiful wife that went wow. And um, despite our very different cultural backgrounds, 
interested at all. I would describe my Birkenelli beautiful wife as an English rose, which is very different from me. My background as um, a Catholic boy um, from North, um, North London, um, from a Nigerian parent, uh, but raised by my father. So our backgrounds are completely different. So, so what did that what did that look like when you guys got together? So share some of that journey with us. When we got together, there was great hostility within our family, um, deep suspicion of our relationship for a variety of reasons. Both my father and my now in-laws were very, very quick to make their opinions known and their objections known in regards to our, our marriage, our relationship marriage. At one point, my father disowned me, um, and so that that was the, the issue. But through prayer, determination, and a lot of support from this church and from many people, hearts were changed. I joke with my in-laws now about things they said to me. Um, like on, on our first date, Amanda had not told her parents that I was black. <laughs> so I, I stood there holding a very famous chocolate, which was melting, while, while my mother-in-law was looking at me with great suspicions. And her first, question, her first question to me was, what is your intention towards my daughter? Is that at the doorstep? <laughs> no, I just... <laughs> um, and, and, but now they, are, they, they think I'm the best thing since sliced bread. But... Um, and my, fa- my, my father, a very traditional African man in many ways, died 10 years ago. And he, his la- the last time Amanda and my, my father met was in hospital. She was dying. And he did something very out of character. He looked at Amanda and said, forgive me. That was that was a closure for a lot of people. I bet. <laughs> so there we go. That's quite a moment, actually. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's quite a moment. So you've been married 25 years. So 94 is a good year to get married, wasn't it? Yeah, hard <laughs> year. <laughs> Amanda, sh- sh- what are some of the joys and blessings of marriage for, for you? So one of the joys for me is, is Pete and I are like best friends. We, we we agree on most things, politics. He supports the wrong football team, but apart from that, we'll get past that. Um, I, I think that having five years, so when we first got married, we decided we'd wait a while for having children. Um, we travelled, we had lots of fun, we had a good job, had a wonderful time. And then something called children came along. And I think both we've underestimated what it was to become parents. Um, it takes a lot of time, energy, and emotion. And... Um, our eldest is 20, she's at university now, and Dana and I, we've got a 10-year age gap. Um, we suffered from loss while trying for children, and our son, Lucas, who is 10, is upstairs um, at young Vineyard at the moment. So I think the blessings can also be challenges. I think parenting is such an honor, such a blessing, but it is quite exhausting, particularly if you're slightly older parent or grandparent or if you're any form of parenting challenge, really. Yeah. So do, you, do you want to just, you know, some of the challenges you've faced 
I, I, would, I would say one of the, the, the challenges, is, especially in, in modern society at the moment, is just steering our children in, <laughs> in the right direction and, and finding time for each other despite the commitment. We've got very sporty children and we drive here, there, everywhere. But it's about finding time for each other, having that discipline to pray together, to have fun together, to share each other's lives, and and to keep our marriage um, 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 to spark in our marriage go, going. So, and how, how do you do that? Because you, you both work, you've got children, busy lives. Are, are there any things that you say we, we've put this kind of thing in place, and that's helped us? Yeah. So we tend to, on, unless we've got friends back for lunch break, but a Sunday afternoon is a time we spend together and with Lucas. Um, we will, on a Sunday evening, take time to, I said that, the crowd's back on the Netflix site, but pray. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Priorities, Amanda, priorities. <laughs> priorities, <laughs> joking aside, you know, that is a sacrificial thing we have to do, and while I'd like to go out with some of my friends who I love dearly, sometimes I have to say no, because actually I need time with like you were sharing, Andy, the day off. You know, a priority is my marriage. Because yeah. if I don't have the, the, the marriage, that really important relationship, which is bedrock for me, um, and to find with my faith of Jesus, it, it, it's just not going to work. Yeah. So it's taking time and going on things, horrible phrase, but date night. <laughs> Spending time with someone you love and investing time and perhaps doing something like going to a concert you wouldn't normally go to um, with your spouse, your partner, and, and just husband and enjoying it. Yeah, that's the self-sacrificial bit. Absolutely. Yeah, 1980s band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a smile on your face. Absolutely. <laughs> While my wife is dancing. Yeah. So you, you guys have been around Riverside for you know the entire length of your marriage, yeah. actually. Yeah. So um, yeah. could you just just share a little about how that is? I, I, I think it has helped, hasn't it? Yeah. How has it helped you, and what, what what else could the church do? Yeah. Well, we started, okay, um, so we, we, when we first became engaged, we were put with a lovely couple for pre-marriage. So that was so helpful because it unpacked some of our differences, um, looked at our behaviours and encouraged us and gave us some really good, sound advice. And then after being married, we're in a home group that support like that. Through the ups and downs of childhood, again, support through um, a home group, Young Vineyard, the pastor, you know, the youth pastors, Dave and Beth, what they do is amazing with our young people today. Um, having children going through that and being blessed by that has been amazing. And just and growing, doing life with people who were married and came to our work, single people who are dear, dear friends to us. Um, just, it's, it's family here. That's how we see it. And I would like just to continue that. We had, we also went to marriage enhancing classes, which was very uh, valuable. And also, I think the, the, no, the church was very, very important to us when we went through the most painful period in our marriage, when we had a, we experienced a, a late miscarriage. It was the most painful period of our lives. And I will nod to lots of people in this church who supported us through that, in prayer, in, in their presence. Um, I, I, I can still visualize people who were with us in the, during the funeral, and, and the church was there. And for that, we are, we are will always be grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, tell me, you, 
guys have been married 25 years, and you know, I, from where I'm, I can feel the love. Okay, th- th- these guys are faithfully committed in love with each other. So, uh, can you see that? I can feel it. Um, just share with us one or two things. What, what are your top tips for doing marriage well? What, what, what are the things that you've found, that you've put in place, that you've done, that, that have just helped you to build a good marriage? In, in, I'll add a few things quickly. In, in our experience, spending time together, praying together, uh, in all situations, keep the line of communication open. Always talking, always listening, always understanding where each other are. And the other thing that we've learned so much is forgiveness. Just forgive one another. Just forgive one another. Um, and um, Amanda, do you want to add anything? Um, yeah, just going back up briefly. And also to have fun together. Yeah. Have a laugh. Um, I think if we didn't have humour in our marriage, it, it would struggle. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Could, could we thank... Kate and Amanda. Um, so we will. I'll get these guys to pray for us in just a moment, and then and then we'll we'll have our prayer ministry time. But let me let me just uh, say a couple of things. Um, you know, I, I'm just aware that being around church and and pastoral work that that for some marriage is not a happy place. You know, there are, that's the reality, isn't it? You know, and some of you will, will resonate with that. Let me just share a few things that I hope, uh, hope are helpful. First thing to do, if, if there are challenges in a marriage relationship, would you admit that that is the case? Just to say that there is something that is not working and I need some help. But that is, that is the first thing to do. Then would you talk to your small group leader, talk to trusted Christian friends and pray with them. And then from that, there are a number of wonderful resources, some of which are within our local church, some of things are, are other places that we refer people on to, but there are some um, really helpful counseling and prayer resources that can help people to navigate through some of the challenges of life and to find healing and restoration. So please don't suffer in silence. Please don't suffer in silence. The fir- as I say, the first step is to humbly say, I've got some stuff I need help with. And so if that's you, would you, you know, talk to a small group, we would come and talk to one of us. And my, I, I know that these areas can be incredibly challenging if you're experiencing difficulty in a marriage relationship, but one of the things that I always hold on to is that with Jesus there is always hope. There is always hope. And so pastorally, I've seen some relationships not recover. That's just being honest. But I have also seen relationships that were absolutely peering over the crevasse on the point of signing divorce papers, but have said, you know what, we are not going to give up. And couples have been restored and marriage starting to be rewritten as trust is rebuilt. With Jesus, there is always if you're able, could you stand with us? Um, Pete, you've got the mic. So some of you here won't be married. Would you? So we'd love to pray for those that are married. But you join your prayers in with Pete's prayers. And if you are married, 
Pete, would you bless our marriages this morning? Dear Lord Jesus, may you minister to every single marriage here today. Lord, may your Holy Spirit fall on each and every one, whether they've been just recently married or they've been married for many years. May they each and all know the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, just minister to all marriages. Whatever the challenge, whatever the situation, I pray where there is a need for forgiveness, Lord, release forgiveness. Lord, where there is a need for healing, Lord, release healing. Wherever there's a need for restoration, Lord, I pray restoration. Father, where there is a need for truth, let your speak, you let your word be spoken. Jesus, I, Lord, I pray for your authority over every single marriage here today. Father, you are the hope. You are the restorer. Lord, I pray, instill in every heart, in every marriage, your hope, your righteousness, your purity, your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wonderful. So we're going to have an opportunity where we can pray with and for one another. The way that we do that here is as, as the team leaders in a worship song, there's space at the front and at the side. If you value someone praying with you this morning, in a, in a couple of minutes, come on forward and someone will, uh, one or two people will come and stand alongside you and pray with you. You know, we're in the middle of this Family Matters series. We're thinking about being single, being married, and parenting. And I say that simply because Jesus has grace for all of us today. So don't wait until the parenting weekend if you're having challenges raising kids right now. Or if you're single, don't think, well, I missed the talk last week. It, it, you, can, you can receive today. There is grace for every one of us today. It may, it may be that you're here today, you've heard us talk about marriage, but you're single, you're longing to be married, there is that ache in your heart, we would love to be able to pray with you today. If you are married, you may be aware right now of some challenges, some, some issues, some difficulties right now. And again, would you bring those to Jesus this morning and ask for his help? Um, as I was praying for us this morning, I, I just had this sense of the Lord wanting to minister to those people here today who have been impacted either directly or indirectly by divorce or separation. And so it may be that you, you are here, your, your, your marriage broke down. We would love to pray this morning if that's helpful to you. It, it may be that um, you're single, but you lived in a household where your parents separated. And it, and it feels like you live under the shadow of that. And one of the narratives or one of the things you hear yourself saying is, well, maybe if I get married, it will turn out exactly the same way as that. And, th and there's a fear that comes from that. If that's you, we would love to pray this morning. Or maybe it's people close to you that broke up and you, and you feel that pain, but you feel it. It's almost like a reverberation that just keeps hitting your life. We, we would love to pray. Um, if your marriage is doing really well, but you want more, we'd love to pray for that too, for a strengthening of your marriage. If there are other needs, if anything in your body, your, hurt, uh, your heart, your mind hurts, is aching this morning, we, we would love to pray this morning. So as I say, there's space at the front here. Um, as Kathy and Ash lead us in a song, you're welcome. Take a courageous step. Come on forward. We would love to see what Jesus does with us this morning. So Lord, thank you for your presence here. Lord, we ask for more. Release the power of your 
Holy Spirit more into our lives now. Lord, those things that are from the past that are still resonating in our lives that are unhelpful, Lord, we pray that you would release us into a fuller future in your presence. Free. More free than we are today. More strengthened. More whole. In Jesus' name. Amen. 